And the word of the Lord says like this. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, loveth thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knoweth that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my lambs. He said unto him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, loveth thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, you knoweth that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my sheep. And he said him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, loveth thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him a third time, Love thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knoweth all things. Thou knoweth that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. And verse 19, said, follow me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you and I ask you, Lord, for the message today that you open up our eyes and our understanding. Use my lips of clay, Father. Remove anything that I bring to the table, God. Forgive my sins. Forgive our sins. And Lord, I ask you, Lord Jesus, that we understand what you're trying to say to the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, have a seat. Many people, many people confess that they love Jesus, right? I think uh, that's very common. I, I, I think uh, maybe it's changing a little bit more and more today, but definitely we see people saying that they love Jesus. Now, we see here Jesus Christ presenting a platform to establish what it means to love him. And he was being very frank with Peter. Peter, do you love me? Peter was like, yeah, I love you. Peter had denied Jesus Christ three times. Um, and it, it was very, this is very significant because Peter was, uh, he was rebuked by Jesus. He was built by Jesus. Jesus was very intentional with Peter. Um, he was in the mountain of transfiguration. And Jesus was very, um, how could I say it? Peter was in Jesus' inner circle, if you will. It was Peter, James, and John. and They were very close to him. So he was so close to him that when he was being crucified, Jesus, and as he was denying him, he was able to see, Jesus was able to see Peter. They were so close. So we, what's happening here is a restoration. That's what's happening. We have, we're seeing a restoration that Jesus is coming to do to Peter. Jesus is coming to do kind of a second chance. Peter, do you love me? And I believe there are many people here today that 
may need a second chance of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you that, that he wants to give you a second chance. Amen. Amen. Glory to the God for that. Jesus entrusted Peter with something great here, which was with the great commission. Peter, feed my sheep if you love me. So we're talking here. So here we have now a mature disciple. Though he had fallen and he had messed up, he had done something terribly wrong. He has def it was a def def definitely a different Peter. Because Peter had just seen him do miracle signs and wonders throughout the three years of his life. And now Jesus has come to restore him. So Jesus here is standing not just as a Messiah, not just as a rabbi, but as a resurrected king. And as a resurrected king... As a resurrected Lord, as God incarnate, made, as God manifested in the flesh, was standing before Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. It wasn't a just a suggestion. <laughs> it was a commandment from the Almighty God. And we all are familiar with the commission we are all familiar with it. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. So this is who's coming to Peter. It is Jesus Christ with all power and all authority from heaven and in earth. It's not a small suggestion. It's not a small, think about it. You know what? Sleep on it, Peter. Maybe you'll want to feed my sheep and then get back to me later. Oh, no. This is the creator of heaven and earth. This is the one that died for our sins. Is standing before Peter and saying, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. So it's a, it's, a, it's a definite tall order, it's a definite importance, and it's definitely not a suggestion. 28, uh, Matthew 28, verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations, or disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. Whosoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. That was the definition of feed my sheep. So Jesus entrusted Peter with the great commission to go out and make disciples of all nations. Jesus wanted Peter to carry out, saying, can you, can you go ahead and continue what I was here for? To reach the lost. But the question is, how did he enter into that big responsibility? And it all started in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 19. This is Peter meeting Christ for the first time. 
And Jesus was walking in the Sea of Galilee to his brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew and his brothers, casting into the sea as they were fishers. And he said unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And what happened next is that Peter followed Jesus. So what happened is that Peter answered the call that Jesus Christ told them. He called them, follow me. And as you see towards the end of Matthew chapter 21, as Jesus is telling Peter, do you love me? And then he explains to him how he's going to die. And then he says, okay, now follow me. It's interesting, it's a very similar scenario when he started. But it's definitely a different Peter. And it's definitely a resurrected Christ. So, what did Jesus call them? Jesus called them unto discipleship. Jesus called them to follow him. Jesus called them to be like him. So when Peter answered the call, he accepted and he allowed Jesus to transform his life. That was the call. Follow me, Peter, and I'll make you fishers of men. Make is, I will make you, I will transform you into something. So when Peter answered the call, he's accepting a transformation to happen by Jesus Christ. See, when people come to Christ and have a true relationship and a true conversion in Christ, there is a transformed life being present in front of us. There is a new creature being presented before us. There is a evidence of a transformed life. If there's a person that comes to Christ, which many come through church or in many avenues, even small groups or life groups, they say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian and I live for the Lord. But there is no transformed life. There is their life before Jesus, and then there's a life after Jesus, and it looks the same, and that's a little strange. Because Jesus comes to transform us. Jesus comes to change us. Jesus comes to make us into something else, and that is to conform us, conform us to his image and to his likeness. Glory be the name of the Lord. That is what the Holy Spirit is continuously doing to the end of our days. It is to transform us into the image of Christ. So Jesus, uh, we see Peter, when, he, he, when Jesus Christ said, follow me, he accepted Jesus and allowed him to transform him. He allowed Jesus to mold his life into a mature disciple. So I allow you to do that in my life. And oh, sure enough, Jesus did. He rebuked them. If you guys remember, he says, get thee behind me, Satan. It was a strong rebuke. And it was a molding of saying, whatever, that action was a very carnal action, very human-minded action, and that's satanic. So Jesus was molding him. To his image. He allowed Jesus to shepherd him. Jesus has now become his Lord. 
What does that mean? It means that he has changed his allegiance. His allegiance has now changed. It's not, no longer a self-allegiance. I, I pledge allegiance to myself, if you will, right? You know, the flag, you know. Saying, now I pledge allegiance unto Christ. It's no longer me that lives, but Christ lives inside of me. That is what it means to follow Jesus. That is what it means to be a disciple. That is what it means to say, I want to be a Christian, is that your allegiance has changed. It's no longer what I think. Oh, well, I think the Bible should say this instead. Oh, well, then you're not a true follower because your allegiance has still self. We must deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily and follow Christ. We must change our allegiance. It can't, Jesus can't just be Savior. He must be Savior and Lord of our lives. Glory be the name of God. To be a disciple of Jesus, we must accept him as Lord. So that is what Peter did when he decided to leave his net and follow him. That was the act. So the question I have for you guys today, church, is that will you answer the call? Because that call is a daily denial of the self. It's a daily denial of the flesh. It's a daily denial of me and of putting my allegiance back onto Christ every single day of my life. So what is a disciple? It's... Uh, I came across a very interesting definition of discipleship that I loved. Is the Hebrew word for discipleship is Talmud. Talmud means to be like the rabbi. To be like the rabbi and everything he does. So to be a disciple literally means to be like Christ. Very simple. Not easy. But the definition is clear. To be like Jesus Christ in every area of our lives. Not just, not just how you, when you come to church, oh, I just want to be more like Christ when I come to church. And then the next six days is allegiance to the self. No. It's an everyday part of our lives. To be like Christ in the way we think. To be Christ-minded. Um, to be Christ-minded is something that comes from the Spirit of the Lord that comes upon us and by the reading of the Scriptures. Amen? So how, do we, how can we work on thinking more like Christ? Well, we work on well, being Spirit-filled and falling in love with His Word. Because as we're reading... God is transforming us into his image and to his likeness. In the way we talk as well, when you communicate, how you can communicate to others. Okay, let's take it a step further, a little bit more challenging. How we talk to others about others. <laughs> right? Are we sowing discord amongst the brethren? Oh, that brother right there, man, nope. And like he did this, this, and this. You don't even know if it's true, but let's just spread it because 
Because you're not Christ-like. That's why. So it matters how we live our lives. It matters how we communicate to others. We got love like Jesus loved. We got to love what he loves. See, these things are challenging things. They're not easy. It's not easy. But that's what Jesus came to do, to transform us into the image of his son. He came to change us into him through his spirit. Glory be the name of the Lord. We got to hate what he hates. Man, that's even tougher. There's a lot of things that Jesus hates. A lot of things in scripture that says they're an abomination unto the Lord. And we got to know them. And we got to act upon them. So that is what it means to be a disciple, is to be like Jesus. Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep. Why? Jesus is saying, imitate me. Imitate me. Be like me. Peter, shepherd my people. So what does it mean to be a mature disciple? A mature disciple loves Jesus. We established that. Therefore, he feeds sheep. A mature disciple feeds sheep. So what is a mature disciple? Let's talk about that for a little bit. John chapter 15, verse 8. John 15, verse 8. Here in my Father is glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. A disciple of Jesus Christ bears fruit. We see that in Matthew chapter 3, verse 10, and, and excuse me, even in John chapter 15, we see the dangers of not bearing fruit in a disciple's life, in a Christian's life. And that is, well, let's read it. And now also, in Matthew 3.10, now also the axe is laid at the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree which beareth no good fruit is hewed down and cast into fire. So bearing fruit is crucial and very important for the Christian walk. It's very important for the disciple, he must bear fruit. And there's many fruit that the Bible talks about. We see the fruit of repentance, fruit of righteousness. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, very famous verse, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, or gentleness and temperance or self-control. These are the fruit that the Lord is looking in us. Fruit means in the Greek is karpos, meaning work, act, or deed. That which originates or comes from something, an effect or a result of something. 
As Christians, as disciples, there is an expectation from God is that we bear fruit. The expectation is that we mature. That we do not stay immature Christians the rest of our lives. There is a period of immaturity, and that's, that's, that's okay. But as we traject throughout the years, there needs to be a mature Christian life being developed in our lives. There needs to be maturity being presented. And how does that look like? Is that we're bearing much fruit. What else does it look like to be a disciple? John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this all men shall know that ye are my disciples, if ye love one another. See, a disciple has conditions. It's not just, oh, I'm going to decide to get, become a Christian. It doesn't stop there. It's not just a decision to the call, but there's an action behind it. There has to be a development of maturity happening. There is development of love in our lives. He says clearly here, by all men shall know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. If there's something that should be present here in Hosanna is that when someone comes in is that their love of Christ is being presented to all believers and unbelievers equally. It's easy to love them that love us, right? It's easy. Them that give us gifts, those that invite us to their birthday parties, right? But it's hard, a little harder to love them that actually don't invite us to stuff, right? How come I didn't give the invitation? Oh, but I really want to go to that Super Bowl party, but dang. And now you're bitter. So then that's when the true discipleship now is being put to the test. Can you still love? Because we're still expected to love. Now what about more deeper stuff when it comes to someone hurting you, backstabbing you? These are the where the fruit needs to shine the most. This is where you prove yourself, say, I am a Christian. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if you cannot, this is where you also go before the Lord, help me, because it's hard. And like in the beginning, sometimes, like I said, sometimes we need second chances because we struggle and we fail. But thank God we serve a merciful and loving God, that in spite of our sins, he still decided to die for us. Three factors of how we mature. Three factors. All right. Three factors. There's you, right? You. There's God. And the third one, which sometimes is a little bit tougher, is the church. You, you have to answer the call. Hey, no one can do it. Hey, you have to do it. You have to make the decision to say, I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to relentlessly pursue to be like Jesus. No one else can make the decision but yourself. 
Now when you make that decision, now God begins to work in us. He does the work in us. He it produces the fruit. When we cannot love others, we go to the source and say, God, help me love those that have hurt me and damaged me. We go to him and say, God, help me because it's hard. Produce in me the fruit of love today because I can't. That person does not deserve my love or my forgiveness or etc. God helps us mature. And third, the church, we need each other to grow. Let's go through some scripture. You guys can believe me. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhort one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. I don't know about you guys, but I see the day approaching more and more each day. Wars and rumors of wars have risen dramatically. Uh, there's definitely all types of earthquakes happening and the weather system is changing. What's happening? Well, the day is definitely approaching. So we need each other to make it unto the end. We need one another. We cannot mature alone. We cannot mature alone. We need the body of Christ with us. We need each other. We need each other to be praying. We need each other to be interceding. We need each other to show love and compassion. We need the church to mature. Hebrews tells us we need to provoke one another to love and good works. To provoke someone to good works. It's interesting because where else would you get that? Would you get that at work? We provoke you to do loving and kindness unto Christ. No, you're not going to get that there. Or with your worldly friends, are you going to get that there? Or even Christian friends, if you're not getting it there, then you question something. Something you really think about because as the body of Christ, we need to be doing something. We need to be provoking each other, influencing each other, helping each other unto love and good works. Maturity happens when we don't forsake the assembling of each other. We need each other to grow. 
We needed to make it to the end. The Bible says here, as the manner of some is, so there's here in Hebrews saying, hey, some of you guys just come to church whenever you guys want, and it's okay for you to miss. It's like, actually, it's not okay. It's actually dangerous. And he's here, and it goes on, it says, but exhorting one another. What does that mean? To be called to, a, to the side. Say, like, hey, can I talk to you? That's, that's what exhorting means. Could be for comfort. Hey, how you doing? How's, how's, your, how's your job? How's your family? That is exhortation. That is what we need. This is what I need in my life to mature. We need each other to grow. We, we need each other to make it to the end. Because Satan's favorite tactic is isolation. Favorite. It's all this trick in the book, probably. He's a wolf. He's a lion seeking who he could devour. So what does he do? Like, oh, maybe I can't go. The gates of hell cannot prevail against who? The church. But if I could get you out of it, then he will prevail. This is a simple tactics, and, and we feel it. I felt it. I don't, I'm struggling, and I'm doing, the, I was like, man, maybe I should just stay home and just sleep or rest, you know. But no, it's the opposite of what you should be doing. That's not Christ telling you. It's not the Spirit of the Lord saying, you should stay today. <laughs> That's not the Spirit of the Lord. Definitely not. You should go out Sunday and have fun. Don't worry about it. Just go blow off some steam and go to the shooting range or something. Um, that's not the spirit of the Lord. Satan trying to lure you so you can take your faith away. Because we're saved by our faith. But if he could take that away from you and you begin to doubt Christ in your life, that he's begun his work in you. And that's dangerous. But if you're in the church, someone could come and say, how are you doing? I'm struggling, brother. I'll be praying for you. Glory to God to that. Because together, together as a church, Satan would not prevail. Satan will not prevail against me. Satan cannot prevail against you. And Satan cannot prevail against your sons and your daughters and your brothers and your sisters. Because we serve an almighty king that loves us and protects us. Glory be the name of the Lord. Hebrews 13, 17. Hebrews 13, 17, on maturity again. Obey them that rule over you and submit yourself. <laughs> That's a, a little tough one for us Americans, right? It's like, oh, obey, what do you mean? Submit? I don't know. I don't know about that. Tough. For they watch over your soul that they may 
must give an account that they may do it with joy and not grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Maturity happens through accountability. Maturity happens when someone is looking after your soul, when someone is looking after your life. That is how maturity is produced in me. When someone is shepherding you, when someone is looking after you, when you are being discipled. You know why sometimes we can't disciple others? Because we don't know how to be discipled. We don't know how to allow someone to come and pour into our lives. So then we don't know how to pour into someone else. Maturity happens when someone has an account for us. My maturity and how I matured has always been at the arms of accountability and discipleship. Always. The closer I am to being accountable, the closer I am to being discipled and mentored, I see sporadic growth begin to happen in my Christian life, in my marriage, in my walk with Christ, in my leadership, and every aspect of my life begins to grow because I have someone to look after me. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, ye be followers, ye followers of me, be ye followers of me as that also of Christ. This is Paul speaking. Maturity comes when we imitate mature believers. We got to imitate mature believers. But if you're just hanging out with immature believers, <laughs> you're just going to catch on all their immaturities. And then you got their bad habits come to your bad habits, and then we have all these immature people around us. We must imitate mature believers. These need to be our friends, our brothers in Christ, that we're imitating someone that is bearing fruit, my brothers. So it matters who you imitate. It matters who you hang around with. It matters who your friends are. It does. So you want to mature? Imitate mature believers. There's a lot of problems that happen because of immaturity in our lives. One of the things that I want to mention, there's so many things, but I'm just going to mention one or two here is that our prayers are not answered sometimes because of our immaturity because we just don't know. Uh, John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask for anything and it shall be done. So the point of being continuously in prayer and being connected in prayer affects our, I mean, continuously in the word affects our prayer life. It affects how our prayers are being answered. And a mature person may not always understand that. James chapter 4, verse 3. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. So, what's going on here is that we 
Sometimes our prayer is not being answered because we just don't know how to pray. We just don't know how to ask. We just don't know how. And when you're asking, not getting nothing, then you get all discouraged and, and then you just keep it to yourself. I got an advice for you. Ask a mature believer that their prayers are being answered and say, how do you do it? How do you do it? I have a need in my life. I have a friend, a cousin, an uncle that needs something. I need something. Ask a mature believer. James 5, 16, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What's happening here is that your righteousness and whether you live in a righteous life or an unrighteous life affects your, pr- your, uh, your prayers being answered. It affects it dramatically. Someone that lives a righteous life, uh, a life will accomplish, avail their prayers, are availeth what they can accomplish so many things. A mature person may not always understand that. So, and two more scriptures and I'm done. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 36. So what does it mean to feed sheep? Mature believers feed sheep. So what does that look like? Matthew 9, 35 and 36. And Jesus went about all the cities and the villages and teaching the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. To feed sheep is to have compassion over the people of God. That when we come together, we're seen And having compassion over our neighbor, compassion over the lost, over the sick, over the blind. A mature disciple shepherds. A mature disciple fulfills the commission, the great commission. A mature disciple makes disciples. A mature disciple loves A mature disciple imitates Jesus. That as he walks, he sees and is filled with compassion. I wonder how's that, was that brother not here today? Let me text him, see how he's doing. That's compassion. Galatians 6, 2, bear ye one another's burdens, for it is the for so fulfill the law of Christ. There are many around us here today that have burdens, that have needs. And it's our job as disciples and followers of Christ to help each other mature, to help each other with those burdens. You know, you may not have to disciple a whole congregation 
You may not have to feed a sheep of a whole congregation like our pastor does. But I have a question. Can you just do one? Can you just focus? Can you have compassion for one? Let's stand. You may ask, what is the value of one sheep? What is the value of just one, focusing on just one person? What is the value of it? Jesus was willing to leave the 99 for that one. Why not us? Why not me? Jesus was willing to do anything. To just reach me and you. Do you love Jesus? That's the question. Then feed his sheep. Do you love Jesus? Then make disciples. What cause are you advancing then? Your cause, your kingdom, your wealth. Can you find a better cause than the cause of Christ? Can you find a better cause than go out and make disciples of all nations? Can you find a better cause than feed my sheep? I can't. I can't. Let's pray. Lord, we heard the message here today. Lord, there's many people here today that profess that they love you. There's many people here today that profess they want to be followers of you. But Lord, there's there's something that sometimes we miss, Jesus, and that is to fulfill the great commission that you have called us to do. To imitate you, Father, to love our brothers, to love our sisters, to love our brethren, to help them grow, to help them bear fruit. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Father, advance your cause. And if we struggle, Jesus, with love, if we struggle with compassion, I ask you that you, I ask you, Jesus, that you put that in us. Though you may answer the call like Peter answered the call to follow you everywhere you take us and anywhere you take us. I ask you this in the power of the name of Jesus Christ.